0: Hello, I am Adam stewart Wallace, a barrister at Tenold Square, and welcome to the Tenold Square podcast. Today, I'm going to be looking at Proctor and Proctor, a recent decision of the Court of Appeal, which concerned whether a tenancy could be created in circumstances where there was no written agreement, and where the grant had been from trustees to a partnership in which all the trustees were themselves partners. The court held that a tenancy could be created at common law where there was merely partial overlap between the landlords and tenants, i.e. in cases where some, but not all, the tenants were the landlords. What were the facts? A dispute had arisen between two brothers and their sister. The siblings, along with their parents, had at various points all been partners in a farming partnership. At the time of the proceedings, the only remaining partners were the brothers. The story begins in 1994. At that point, the trustees of the farmland had been the parents and one of the brothers. The members of the partnership included the above and the remaining two siblings. There had been written tenancy agreements regarding the land, but by 1994 these had all elapsed. In the proceedings, the brothers contended that there had nevertheless been at that time a tenancy in favour of the partnership, and moreover the tenancy drew the protection of the Agricultural Holdings Act 1986. The sister took the position that there was no such tenancy. The decision at first instance had been that there was no tenancy, as the sister had argued. The main issue in the appeal was whether a tenancy could be created at common law when there was a partial overlap between landlords and tenants, as, for example, when a partner or partners purport to create a tenancy between themselves and a partnership comprised of themselves and at least one other person, The significance of the common law being that in this case there was no such written agreement and that is how the tenancy would have had to have taken effect. What is the practical significance of the case? Well, it's primarily to be found in the careful analysis and review of the case law regarding the granting of tenancies in cases where there is whole or partial overlap between landlords and tenants. It also gives clarity as to what will count as an agricultural holding for the purposes of the 1986 Act. The Appeal Court decided that there was no bar at common law to the granting of a tenancy in cases of partial overlap. In the course of giving his judgment, Lord Justice Lewison considered in detail the House of Lords case of Rye and Rye, along with prior and subsequent case law. In Rye and Rye, two brothers had been freehold owners of a property in Golden Square. They had attempted to grant a tenancy to themselves as partners. There were no other partners in the partnership, and so it was a case where there was complete overlap between landlords and tenants. The court found that in such an instance, no tenancy could be created. In Proctor, Lord Justice Lewison considered the objections of the court to such a tenancy at some length, and in due course asked whether they should apply to cases like that under consideration, that is to say, cases of partial overlap, where, for example, a hypothetical Tom and Dick purport to grant a tenancy to a hypothetical Tom, Dick and Harry. Lord Justice Lewison phrased the question more abstractly as to whether A, B and C could grant a tendency to A, B, C, D and E. Distilling the reasoning in Rye and Rye, Lord Justice Lewison first considered the objection that such a grant would be pointless. As we might put it, according to this objection, no rights would in reality be created. Lord Justice Lewison stated that whatever the case is with instances of complete overlap, in cases of partial overlap, a third party would clearly acquire rights for example, of entry, that they had not held prior to the tenancy. So there was plainly a point to such a tenancy agreement. A second objection derived from the two-party rule, the rule that an individual cannot contract with themselves. The common law, noted Lord Justice Lewison, had gone further and regarded it impossible to contract with the number of individuals of which oneself is a member. In a partial overlap case, then, it would be impossible for an individual to enter into a covenant With the combination of themselves and a third party. As the Court of Exchequer had stated in Faulkner and Lowe, imagine that a man contracted with himself and two others, that he would repay a loan to them or their survivors. If the other two died, then he could hardly enforce his promise against himself, reasoned the Court of Exchequer. However, Section 82 of the Law of Property Act 1925 has since provided for exactly this morbid possibility. Subsection 1 states that a covenant or agreement entered into between a person with himself and one or more other persons shall be construed and enforced in like manner as if the covenant or agreement had been entered into with the other person or persons alone. Lord Justice Lewison observed that section 82 is not limited to written agreements. Consequently, whatever the position may have been under the common law, unaided by statute, no such concern would apply on the present facts, even though there was no written tenancy agreement. The issue of merger. Lord Justice Lewison, when considering older authorities, observed that at common law there had been a potential issue with regard to the merger of estates. At common law, lower and higher estates held by the same parties in the same land would merge, at least providing they were held in the same right. However, any difficulty that may have previously arisen under the common law had to be considered in light of the fact that it is presently only possible to hold legal title as joint tenants and not as tenants in common. There is thus no basis on which a legal interest held by A and B in land can be merged into an interest held by A, B and C. That is to say, cases of merely partial overlap. As we may put it, A and B as a unity is utterly distinct from A, B and C as a unity, regardless of whether they share parts, i.e. A and B. Lord Justice Lewison also considered whether, in a case of partial overlap, the tenants could exercise exclusive possession against the landlords, given that they included the landlords. The answer to this question, derived in part from the Dicture of Lord Hope in J.A. Pye, Oxford Limited and Graham, was that a number of tenants are, as against everyone else, including their landlords, in a position of a single owner. Lord Justice Lewison concluded on the above basis, in addition to an examination of all the cases, that the court at first instance had been wrong to rule out the existence of a tenancy in partial overlap cases. In order to resolve the particular case in hand, the court had to consider two further issues, which I will briefly touch on here. The court found that if a tenancy had been created, it would have been a tenancy at will, and therefore the question had to be addressed as to whether it would attract the protection of the Agricultural Holdings Act 1986, and in particular Section 2 of the Act. The question was whether it should count as an interest less than a tenancy from year to year. The court determined that it would, referring in part to the leading textbooks on the subject. Was the land an agricultural holding? The main issue was the use of around 20% of the land as a golf course. The statutory test required an evaluation of the character of the tenancy, using a broad textured test that requires it to take into account all relevant circumstances. The Appeal Court did not see fit to disturb the first instance finding that the tenancy was agricultural in the relevant sense. As stated at the outset, the primary significance of the case is in regard to partial overlap cases where there is no written tenancy agreement. Instances in which partners grant tenancies to their partnership will be just one species of such case. In addition, there is guidance in regard to what will attract the Protection of the Agricultural Holdings Act, 1986. Thank you for listening.